literally six days after I stopped teaching, 40% of my cash surplus went to unexpected financial things, all of this stuff. And I had just moved and downsized so I could live at a means that would allow me to go the path that I wanted. And I was like, well, screw this. I'm not even going to finish unpacking because literally in 30 days, I might be having to repack and move everything out. It's time to open your mind and expand your empire. You're listening to The Ted Huff Show. Join in for stories that embrace imperfections and become the inspiration you need to achieve true greatness in your life through actionable progress in the pursuit of self-discovery, self-improvement, and self-purpose. Where will your story take you? Now let's get it started with the man himself, your host, Ted Huff. Welcome to episode 17 of the Ted Huff Show. This week we have Buffy O'Neill on. This is special because today is St. Patrick's Day, her favorite holiday. So I had to release it just in time for the holiday. She is an entrepreneur, an educator, and a speaker. In this episode, you'll find out how she identified the patterns in her family and in her life and realizing that the legacy of her family laid on her shoulders. Throughout her life, had to overcome a number of obstacles. She will give you very tactical tips on what to do to get yourself moving forward today. Hey, Buffy, thank you for coming out to the house today. I really appreciate it. What would you like people to know about who you are? So if we had to just do that quick intro and and understand who Buffy is from Buffy's perspective. Who am I? Um, I'm just an ordinary person who has been called to do something greater than I ever thought that I had the potential to be or become. Um, My heart is for serving and educating others And little did I know the path and the direction my life would take me. The past 10 years truly has been a roller coaster of ups and downs, goods and bads, ins and outs, the most exciting adventure I never would have anticipated for myself. That's awesome. What is it that you're you're working on now? Where I'm at today is shifting from being an educator in a classroom in an elementary school setting to being a businesswoman and entrepreneur in financial services, uh, personal development, and business. How are you going about? I mean, because you know, I wasn't going to give it away. Now I'm going to give a little bit away. But uh, you and I met um, because you were my daughter's fourth grade teacher. We had actually really good connection between our family and yourself, and and we just kind of followed each other along the paths. Um, so that's how she ended up here, folks. She helped our daughter make a transition from a, a, a bad situation in a classroom to a, a very good one. And I'm super happy to hear you've made the transition. What would you say the experiences led you down the path to become an educator? When my children got to school age, it was very difficult where I was in retail. My husband and the, at the time and I both worked in retail. So when you have small children trying to find daycare on Thanksgiving or Christmas Day is extremely difficult. 
Um, so I cut back on what I was doing in the workforce to be mom, which I love. That's my favorite role in life. But my kids are grown now. Um, so when they got into school, I just kind of landed in the elementary school setting, ended up becoming a substitute teacher at their school. Once I started subbing, I realized how much I loved educating and helping um, children learn because where I was in the adult workforce, I was doing the same thing um, in a different capacity. And it was very frustrating for me at the time, dealing with adults and trying to teach them <laughs> some things that they needed. So I was like, well, if I can get our youth with young minds, I might be able to shape and mold them to when they become adults, they'll be better learners. So it's funny how the pendulum swung back to getting out of the classroom and then back to educating Adults. adults. Things come full circle. Was looking back and could you pinpoint something early earlier in your life um, that got you to a point where you have the desire to educate and teach people? When you play pretend as children, and I don't know how many children nowadays play pretend with all the advances in technology and other options that they have. Um Playing school was something that we always played. And with my friends, I was the teacher. So it was fun doing that and just having the playtime with it. The idea of educating for you, it sounds like, is really playtime. It, it's, it's a fun space. You look at it as something fun to do by going back to, to that point in time as it being a child. It is. Um, Part of my upbringing, though, was very limited and fear-based. So um, as we grow up, we're presented with options of like, what is your life going to be? What do you want your future to look like? What career path do you want to take? And as a female, what was presented to me by my family was very limited. I didn't know that there were other options available for me beyond that. And like I said, I love being a mother. It's my favorite role. But I know now that there's more to life than just that. Once I realized I had other options beyond that, then things started getting really interesting and curious. Who would you say inspired you to have that strength, to be able to say, I don't want to, or I don't have to do what is expected based on a gender role. I found that I learned by example of what I saw in the women in my life that didn't work well. I saw the repeating pattern through the generations in myself. And I then recognized I have a couple of options here. I can repeat that pattern and follow in their footsteps, or I could be the one that makes that shift to change the future generations for those in my family. My dad died when I was 10 months old in a motorcycle accident. So basically, I'm his living legacy. So when I had my daughter, I gave her my last name. So with that was a untraditional, unconventional shift. We kind of got a lot of crap on, well, why did you pick to have her have your last name? Is your son going to have the last name? Are you going to hyphenate? I'm like, you guys are missing the whole point here. Men can take and, and name their son after themselves without question. You know, if you had a son and you said, 
Ted Huff Jr., nobody would question it. But as a female, just giving my daughter my last name in addition to my husband's was like controversy and ooh, and like, settle down, people. It's just a way that I wanted my family name to continue on because I was the only girl. My grandfather was terminally ill when my daughter was born. So I saw the only way for um, my family name to be carried on would be left in our hands. And I wanted to make sure I represented my family and my ancestry in the most amazing way. Would you say that the transition over over to what you're doing is really an homage to that whole legacy? It is. Um, and when I recognize that it was my role and my purpose in life to be the, the person to have this responsibility, it was very overwhelming. I'm like, why me? Why is this my calling? And I thought, well, I can sit here and question it forever, or I can just go down the path with reckless abandon and see where it takes me. So it it almost, the way you're saying it, it chose you. You didn't choose it. Yeah, pretty much. The nice part is that a lot of things it sounds like have, have chosen you, but unlike most people, you've had an open enough, open enough mind to hear it, to see it, and to take action on it. How would you say that you're attacking that. Right. So even doing that has been a shape shift for me because part of my beliefs, part of the way I was raised was, you know, you want to fit in, you don't want to rock the boat, you don't want to do X, Y, and Z, just in general, not even being a female. So as I was doing this, I saw it really wasn't getting me ahead anywhere, conforming and fitting in and doing all of these things. And inside, all of this energy was festering inside of me. When you have enough of enough of things, then you start to make change and do different. And that's what I did. I was like, so fitting in really isn't getting me anywhere further. So I can do stuff to stand out and be bold and speak my voice and speak my truth. And people are either going to love it or hate it, but people are already loving or hating what I'm, doing conforming, and it's not fulfilling, it's not rewarding, it's causing me internal conflict and incongruency. So if I do and say and be who I feel and be authentic and genuine, the same result's going to happen on the outside world, but how I feel on the inside world and the impact I'll be able to have will move me forward. What barriers do you feel like you're actually, you feel like are breaking down? I think one of the advantages I have being a female in a male-dominated industry is the ability to um, talk with people differently um, in a more nurturing, helpful way. And because I have experienced a lot of life, a lot of different areas of financial levels of success and challenges we learn by experience and we learn by education. And I have a little bit of both because I have had, you know, times where when I was married, my husband and I, we made a very comfortable over six figure um, income and ended up many times with more month than money. And how does that happen when you make a pretty decent income? And then as a teacher making barely $30,000 as a single mom trying to break that down and having 
way more month than money. I kept banging my head up against a wall with things that weren't working. And instead of ignoring the problem and burying my head in the sand, I had access to some resources and individuals to ask for help. People need to be aware of their situation in any area of life, know that they want to do something different, seek out the help, and then follow the directions and the guidance of those giving you the help. That's how you make change. That's how things shift. That's how you go from surviving in life in any area to thriving. So I'm imagining the transition, making it from educating children to educating adults and making that decision to switch from one to the other. There was a point where you felt like maybe I made the wrong decision. Maybe I should have just kept doing what I was doing. I was working in the classroom and kind of doing a dual dual career type of thing. And I ended up leaving a year earlier than I thought. Literally six days after I stopped teaching, 40% of my cash surplus went to unexpected financial things, all of this stuff. And I had just moved and downsized so I could live at a means that would allow me to go the path that I wanted. And I was like, well, screw this. I'm not even going to finish unpacking because literally in 30 days, I might be having to repack and move everything out. That was my sign that I knew I was being tested in. Are you really committed to doing what you want to do? Did you really mean what you said? Exactly. And I was like, oh, crap. I'm like, okay, faith and trust that everything will work out. Instead of focusing on the problem, I focused on the solution. And I had a few positive indicators before that. Um, My last day of teaching, I ended up at um, a Tim Story event. And I had met him. I had met him the year before and... When, or earlier, yeah, the year before in October, when teaching was really hard for me, the, the struggle was very real. I was at a place where I was sick. I was not feeling well. I had lost my voice. And I was like, I'm supposed to go to this event. And at the time, I didn't even know what it was that I was going I to. I can't imagine you losing your voice. Absolutely lost my voice. I couldn't talk. I had a fever of 103. And I'm like, I should really go home and go to bed. But I was like, I'm going to this event. And I heard him speak and it was so powerful. And at the end, um, he always asks for people's takeaways. You know, what do you want to share? And I found myself standing up and I'm like, okay, what are you doing? (laughs) I, I consciously am not standing up. My body is standing up. I'm like, okay, this is great. This is awkward. What are you going to say? You had no voice. And I just basically, my voice was clear and strong. And I said, I just wanted to share with you, you know, when I got here, I was feeling very run down. I had lost my voice. I'm in education. And he said, when you're in the right environment, your voice will always be strong and you will always be heard. Oh, wow. And at the time, I kind of didn't get what that meant. But then that was in October. Fast forward to May 25th. He's back in town again, which happened to be the last day of school, my last day of teaching. And I went to the event again and I'm sitting there in this row, in the second row. And they ask us to scoot over. And for whatever reason, I left the the seat on the right hand aisle open. Mm-hmm. 
and I had some friends there with me and we were getting ready to get started. And I felt this presence and this energy so strong. And then I turn and he's sitting right next to me. So that chair, yes, that chair that I left blank open was kind of like leaving space for him to come and give me that positive sign. Like, okay, you're, you're on the right path. You just need to be strong enough that whatever adversity is going to come your way, you're going to be like, all right, this isn't going to get me. This isn't going to get me. You may get knocked down, but you're going to get back up and you're going to move forward. So through that, um, instead of thinking every time I have these challenges, these these thoughts of doubt, um, when fear kicks in, I have created that muscle strong enough that it only lasts for a short while that I'm like, okay. We're going to shift. Here's what we're going to do next. I have things that I listen to. I have mantras that I say that kind of snap me out of it and get me back focused. And I'm surrounded by some of the most amazing people um, that I have in my friend circle, in leadership circle, and people across the United States that really provide me the support that I need when I need those things, those reminders that like, okay, you're knocked down but you're strong enough to get back up and move forward. And every adversity is means that I'm one step closer to that level of success, to breaking through the next barrier, to achieving the things that I want. And instead of being like, oh, that's a sign I shouldn't be doing this. Oh, you know, that negativity spin mm-hmm. propels me the other way. So you're, you're, you're seeing it from a perspective of, of less, oh, that's a sign I shouldn't do it. And more of a sign of, do you really want this? And that you're on the right path. This is the indicator you're on the right path. So on the right path. And do you really want to be on this path? Exactly. And success is just that one foot to gold. If you stop now, you're just one foot away from what it is that you're wanting to do, what you're wanting to accomplish and and not to quit. Life is what you decide it's going to be. So I've, I've proven the negative mindset. It works. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm like an all-time Olympic medalist in life sucks, you know? And so if that's true, then I know I can prove it the other way as well. And the learning curve will be quicker because I've already practiced it enough the other way. What do you feel you have learned the most about yourself from getting up on stage. You can reinvent yourself at any point in your life. If you believe it's possible, you take the right action. It'll happen. Getting on stage, being in the spotlight, going through everything that you've gone through. And I think you've hit on it, but I I just, I want to make it very clear to the audience. When you feel fearful, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel like you've lost the focus, what thing do you do? Kind of push pause on my life. Because our subconscious triggers things within us that causes us this doubt and the fears. But my logical mind, the outside part of me is like, what are you doing? You're being ridiculous right now. There's no need to be fearful. There's no need. But it's that internal conflict. So developing the skill to just like pause. What is that pause button for you? I just stop. I breathe and I have different things in my mind to focus on. It's situational. I I have a handful of things that I go to, 
um, when that happens. What's your number one thing that you go to when that when when everything feels like it's it's just super crazy? What's the one thing that you that you find yourself going to the most? My faith and belief in God and my children. Those two going together. Very being wise. Um, help me. It's funny because I tell my children things and help build them up and believe in themselves and know that anything is possible, which I didn't have growing up. I, I grew up in a very fear-based, oh, you can't do that. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, you can't do that. Well, and then on top of that, being raised Catholic, it's not only you can't do that, but if you do that, you have to feel guilty about it. Yeah. So my daughter is my constant reminder because she'll be like, mom, you told me X, Y, and Z. So don't you think it makes sense that maybe you should follow <laughs> that? Does it not apply to you too? And when I have self-doubt, I look at her and remember, okay, that that part is in you too. It's just buried under a bunch of crap right now for whatever reason that it's dumped on you or residual crap over the years. Once you get that off and get rid of the garbage, then you get to see the mirror in yourself that you see in her. So with there being so much change in the time that you've had, could you pinpoint a, a belief, a behavior, or a habit that you have decided to make non-negotiable? Not a single day goes by that you don't do that one thing that has helped you move through all of this change. Um, the one non-negotiable. Actually, there's two. It's okay. You can have more than one. I always have my moment of prayer and meditation. The other thing is the personal development. I need the personal development. I need the mindset. I need the leadership skills. I need all of that. And so those are the two non-negotiables. Is that like something you, you do first thing when you get up? Is that something right before you go to bed? Is that something you do in the middle of the day? When, when do you? I start and end my day okay. that way. Um, I'm committed to allowing myself. The world has so much going on for me. My mind can get wrapped up with so much chatter and noise and I have to do this. I need to be here. All of these things that then I can't hear that voice. Even if God is speaking loudly and doing something, all those outside things can drown that out. If I don't allow myself time to hear and receive what I need to um, keep me on the right path, then I'm going to get sidetracked in a way that I'll go on a detour that I won't be able to reroute to. So I allow myself to start my day and end my day that way. And it's funny because my son is still with me. Um, and he's like, Oh my gosh, do we have to listen to Joel Olstein tonight? I'm like, well, yeah, we do. You have earbuds you can put in. But then it's funny. He'll be like, he'll quote things that he hears from that too. And he gives it back to me because he used to be like, Oh, positivity. I can't deal with all of this. It's too much mom. Stop. And then on a day where I'm having like breakdown, because usually the people that you can break down in front of is your family because you know, they're going to love you unconditionally. Right. So, um, yes. not that I'm proud of it, but like, he's the one closest in proximity to me because he still lives with me that I'll go and I'll be like, I'll lash out. And he's like, whoa, 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 settle down. 
breathe, mom. Remember positivity. Where is that? You threw it out the window today. And I'm like, oh my God, are you serious? <laughs> like you're, you're the bipolar person here trying to get me back on track with things. So it'll be interesting who my accountability partner will be when he, he leaves the empty nest next week to go be on his own with his brother in Utah. So, but it's funny, again, I have both of my children to keep me in check on some things. And if I don't have that time in the morning and at night to do that, and sometimes when I have those moments in the middle of the day, when I pause, I can reference what I heard, you know, earlier this morning, or what did I hear last night or at another time that just fills my head with the things that I need to to turn the thinking around, to, to de-escalate my own internal explosion of craziness. Because our imaginations can go wild. And when your imagination goes wild, you just lived that experience as if it happened. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to live an experience on the like, what if side of crazy amazing. And that's what I do sometimes too. Like, okay, you're thinking all this bad stuff. Stop. What's the other side of that coin? What would it look like that way? And depending on the trigger, sometimes like in 30 minutes, I can de-escalate and come down. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it takes a whole day. It just, it depends. Our bodies and our subconscious are, are very unique mechanisms. So as you were talking, one of your beliefs was to bring yourself with, with education on self-development, self-discovery, self-purpose, all of that fun stuff. If you picked one book, because I know you're an avid reader, but if you had to pick one book that is your go-to that you read once or multiple times per year, what would that be? Um, I've always loved Brendan Burchard's content and his book, The Motivation Manifesto, resonates and echoes in my body and my mind in a way that I, everything in that for me is truth. Um, that said, I started off with a lot of my personal development being male authors. And that shifted last February when I was introduced to Sarah Centrella and her book, Hustle, Believe, Receive. So I have access to a few more female personal development people where I can connect a little more deeply in the heart and the soul and the mind kind of how women think and, mm -hmm. and process information. And there's a lot of her story um, that I can relate to. So it made me feel like, oh my gosh, I wasn't alone in thinking this. I wasn't alone in this experience of that. And Lisa Nichols is another female author that that helps. I have the ability to go between so which, both. Which which book of hers? Lisa Nichols, uh, Abundance Now. Okay. Yeah. So those are my three go-to. And with that, I think it's really important just like children learn and develop well in a well-rounded household with um, a female and a male, your mother and your father figure. That's kind of how I look at it with my personal development. There's times where I need to hear things from the perspective of a man and what we might want to say is like the male 
father figure direction. Mm -hmm. And then those times where you need to hear things from a female or a motherly type of perspective, that way I feel more well-balanced in what I do and can integrate both. No, that's great. So you and I have talked in the past um, about your travels and all that other fun stuff. And I know that's that was at least if I remember right, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that was one of the major, major reasons for making the shift is so you could do more of the travel. So you could continue to more frequently um, make your trips to Ireland. Yes. So that's one of the things that was a positive from my divorce. Um, on a teacher's salary, I never would have imagined ever that traveling would be something that would become a reality for me. But as a result of that, I connected with a fellow teacher and colleague who was partnering with people to people student ambassador programs, which basically was an exchange for time in educating students, they paid for you to travel abroad. So I was blessed enough two summers end to end to travel free to 13 countries and explore the world. And it was life changing for me. And I think that was a big catalyst for opening my eyes, my mind, and my heart to more possibility because I, I never would have been able to travel otherwise at that time. And by taking that, that window of opportunity to explore that option, um, really was something that pivoted my direction and where I was going in there were some different criteria that allowed you to travel. And I always missed um, the student quota to being one of the leaders to go. And they decided to expand to Yuma. And another colleague of mine said, hey, you know, if I go to Yuma and lead, would you come with me and kind of be my co-leader? I'm like, sure. Then I get the email two days later saying, you're the leader. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not what I told you. So I had to call my friend and be like, I didn't tell her I wanted to be the leader. She's like, no, I told her you're going to be the leader because I shifted what my priorities were and I'm not going to. And I had never done that before. So I could have very easily said one year into that organization, I'm not equipped with what I need to be the primary delegation leader and missed out on that opportunity. Or you jump in and you see where it goes. And that's what so led a, me to be on, on that path. But that's also an early indicator of your your willingness to go do things that you're uncomfortable with in, in the spirit of growth. Right. So my mind process now is if it's not going to kill me and I'm not going to kill anyone else, I'm going to say yes. If you're probably throwing there is not illegal. Uh, we're getting there. The second thing is I'm not going to physically harm or hurt myself or anyone else. And the third one is as long as it's moral and ethical and legal, I'm going to do it. So those are my three, okay. three things that if the answer to that is, you know, these things aren't going to occur, I'm going to put myself out there to do it. Yeah. And sometimes I'm crap in my pants the whole entire time on the inside, but that's one of the things um, I took acting and drama in high school. I never made the stage because I always had stage fright and I backed out. So my drama teacher, Mr. Power, was amazing. But it gave me, I always, I'm still connected with him. I said, those three years in high school doing drama equipped me for life. 
in instances where I had to outwardly conduct myself in a way that was professional or like fake it till you make it, fake Mm -hmm. it till you make it. You're in an uncomfortable situation and you have to assimilate to that environment so you could fit in and and look like you belong. We're inside. It's a chaotic, crazy world of emotion and doubt and all of these things. So Yeah. You've traveled, you've scaled walls of castles, you've done all that fun stuff. When 2019's over, what is the one thing that you want to have accomplished? To be the best version of myself. I've held back in a lot of ways just because I haven't practiced enough and there's been some negative repercussions when I was in teaching that when I pushed the boundaries, when I stepped my game up, when I had high expectations, it didn't serve me well. Mm -hmm. I know that's not what the case is now. And those are the things that I need to do to excel in the areas of my life that I want to be in. So kind of uncross wiring those Mm -hmm. to take the actions that I need to may will be one year that I've been outside of the classroom and been able to financially sustain myself in my business with all that I'm doing. And the main goal is to have a team that can go out and serve those in the community here in Arizona and across the United States to where I have my own office. Um, There's only one other female in my organization and my company that has her own office and she's up in Snowflake servicing the people in that area. Um, Everyone else, like you said, they're men or they're a married couple. So it's my goal to, by the end of this year or the beginning of next, depending on the timing, um, to so have you're, my you're own wavering, you're wavering. We, we got, we've got I, I, 2019 to have my own office with how many people? With how I need 10 solid agents, a minimum of 10 or more. Okay, so by the end of 2019, 10 agents in your own office. Yep, all right, awesome. Well, before we go, uh, what I wanted to do is Obviously, with having that goal, with all the things you've gone through, with the books and the practices and all the habits and everything you have going on, there's got to be three things that you can pull out that those who are in the audience can can start immediately to make their lives that much better. In any area, acknowledging that you aren't where you want to be is the first step. Um whether that's in your relationships with your health or your financial situation, um, that awareness that I'm not where I want to be. This situation sucks, right? And then asking for the help. How am I going to help? How am I going to improve my health? How am I going to improve my relationships? How am I going to improve my financial situation? And then being willing and committed to taking action once you've received the help. You know, for me, asking for help was such a challenge because I had to do everything for myself for a period of time, being a single mom, being a teacher, all of these things. So if it was meant to be, it was up to me, which meant I did everything. There's only so far I can go on my own. When you have people that you can rely on, that you can trust to be there for you and have your back, and help you. People who've gone through things 
that can guide you and take you to the next level, that's a game changer. Um, so anyone who is wanting to improve their life, just make the that acknowledgement, you know, this situation's crappy. Talk about it, you know, find someone that you can trust, ask someone for help, and then be willing and committed to take the actions to do the steps to change your life. People say, you know, knowledge is power, which is true on one hand, but how many of us know certain things, but then don't apply them? The applied knowledge is where the power happens. And I've, you know, seen that for myself. So once I take the information that I have, and then I start really applying it, that's when things shift. But you have to have those steps to get you there, the awareness, the asking for the help, and then the taking the action. So just, I'm going to try and summarize real quick. So number one is be aware of the situation that you're in, that you don't have to be there. Number two is once you've identified that and you've identified what it is you want, ask for the help to get there. And number three is take action on the help that you've received. Exactly. You know, there's no shame in that. So many people are living quiet lives of desperation in different areas of your life that if they found their voice and spoke up and just said what their situation was without feeling judgment or shame or embarrassment, then things start to change. But oftentimes people keep things to themselves. I know I was one of these people. I didn't let people know how I was feeling about my financial situation, about my health when I was really, really, really sick outward. Everyone's like, oh, she's fine. No, I wasn't. Um, And, you know, with my job and what I was doing, I knew I wanted to teach. I didn't know there were other entities and places and avenues for me to use my gifts and skills and talents that really optimize me at levels at a capacity beyond where I currently was. So I want to make sure that those who are listening or watching, um, what would be the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, Instagram and Facebook is the best way to get in direct contact. And it's Buffy, B-U-F-F-I-E, O'Neill, O apostrophe N-E-I-L-L. You can send me a direct message on either one of those and reach out and I'd be happy to connect with you. Yeah. And we'll go ahead and in the show notes, we'll go ahead and have all the links to her social media um, and different ways to get a hold of her. We'll also give you a way to get a hold of her if you really want to become one of those 10 team members that she needs to get that office. We can help her reach that goal. Buffy, thank you so much. Oh, no. Thank you. I mean, I love what you're doing. You and your family have always been near and dear to my heart. So I think when people can collaborate like this and help each other get to the next levels, I just appreciate this opportunity to share my story. No, I really appreciate it. Thanks again. Absolutely. That's it for this episode of The Ted Huff Show. But we know you're wondering where you go from here. TedHuff.com makes it easy for you to get notifications for new episodes, specialized contests, exclusive giveaways, and upcoming events simply by signing up for our mailing list. You'll get access to all this and more by visiting TedHuff.com. That's T-E-D-D-H-U-F-F.com. Until next time, open your mind and expand your empire right here on The Ted Huff Show.